You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Alrighty. Hello there, and uh, welcome to the first ever Assembly Call Mailbag. I think it's the first ever Assembly Call Mailbag, at least the first episode that we've done uh, that's just dedicated to your questions. But uh, I'm Jared Morris. I'm your host, and just kind of trying out something new. You know, those of you who are longtime uh, listeners of the show know that, you know, sometimes in the off season we use this kind of downtime to try out some new things, kind of see what sticks, try out some new formats. A couple of years ago, we tried out you know a new assembly call radio format. You know, just keep doing something in the off season. Obviously, that stuck. Um, so we're going to try this out and see. And what got me thinking about this was that we always end up taking your questions on Thursdays for Assembly Call Radio, and we can't always get to all of them. And so we have some questions that are left over. And I wanted a forum that will allow us to answer some of those questions pick up some additional questions and just have a place for us to, you know, meet up and talk IU basketball in between our Thursday night broadcast, which is put out late Thursday night, Friday morning uh, on the podcast, uh, you know, because that's once a week. So this will give us a chance to kind of to meet up uh, in between that show. I don't know that it will always be Monday. I'm recording this Monday afternoon, June 4th. I don't don't know that that's when we will always do it. Maybe we'll do it on a Sunday. Maybe we'll do it on a Tuesday, depending on the week. Obviously, if Andy or Ryan or Zach or Coach Tonsoni or anybody else is available, I'll you know bring them on with me. But it'll be me, and we'll definitely try this out and see if it works. So if you have feedback about this, about the format, if you like it, definitely let me know. Jared at assemblycall.com, or you can always hit me up on Twitter as well, at assemblycall. I always really appreciate your feedback. All right, we've got some great questions, and I want to get to all of those. Uh, before we do, I have just a couple of thoughts on some other topics that are relevant uh, to IU basketball before I jump into the questions. Uh, one of those is about Rob Finnessy. And Rob, uh, over this weekend, played in the Hoosiers Reunion All-Star Classic. So you may have seen some of the highlights. It's in the old Hoosiers gym where they filmed, you know, uh, the the gym that was Hickory's uh, home gym in the movie Hoosiers. And they did an All-Star Classic there and Rob played. He had 18 points, he had 5 assists. His team won 142 to 136. So it shows you the level of defense that was played in that game. But uh Josh Margolis was there. Obviously, he's our uh, student intern for both the assembly call and inside the hall. He was there, got some video. Uh, and had a chance to talk with Rob after the game. A bunch of media members did. And there was one comment Rob made when he was asked about you know why he chose Archie Miller, why he liked Archie Miller, that I thought was really interesting. Um, I don't know who asks the question. You'll hear that person talking here. I'm not sure exactly who asked it, uh, but you'll hear Rob's response. And I think it's really telling in terms of why I'm so excited about him, why you're so excited about him, and why he's a guy uh, who Archie said at Huber's uh, last week is a guy who will probably step in and contribute for Indiana right away. Here it is. So what do you like about Coach Miller? Uh, I'd say we're pretty similar. We're laid back off the court and then pretty fiery on the court. And, uh, really, we just like to get business done and um, just work hard. You know, it, it continues to be one of the reasons why I think Rob is going to be such a good long-term fit for Indiana, that he does just seem to share the sensibilities of his coach. He is a very serious-minded, 
kid, you know, for a 17, 18 year old high school senior, however old he is, he's a very serious minded guy. Uh, and you know, you could look at him and say, you know, quiet, maybe mild mannered, but when he's on the court, I mean, he is intense and he plays hard. And I think that he and his coach are really going to get along, really going to be on the same page. Now, does that mean he's going to step in right away and start and, uh, you know, be an all big 10 player right away? Absolutely not. You know, I think he's a guy who's really going to, you know, take some time to grow and develop and we should have reasonable expectations for him, but he just seems like such a great fit long-term for the program because of the way he plays, certainly the role he's going to fill as a guy that can get Indiana into its offense, you know, really be an on-court leader, but just the fit with his coach and really seeing eye-to-eye with his coach, I think that's going to be uh, a great fit for Indiana. Another topic that I wanted to hit real quick is the story about John Beeline potentially leaving to go to the NBA, which you know, I think for a lot of people came out of nowhere, uh, but you know, it was reported by several places. I think Adrian Wojnarowski was the first to report that he interviewed with the Detroit Pistons uh, for their vacant head coaching job. And from just reading you know, some of the different uh, writers who know a lot more about this than I do, it doesn't seem like this is just a straight, hey, I'm going to go interview here so that Michigan will pay me more money and give my assistants more money, that kind of thing. It seems like there might be some genuine interest there. Um, so, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. Who knows? And by the time this gets published, you know, maybe he's turned down the job, whatever. All I want to say is, you know, the perspective on this from an IU fan, I think it might be easy to look at this and say, oh, man, that'd be great. John Beeline is an incredible coach. You know, Michigan has obviously been very, very good. Indiana's had a hard time handling Michigan for the past few years. Get him out of there. You know, go to the NBA. Let's weaken one of our main rivals. Let's, you know, whoever comes in is most likely not going to be as good as John Beeline. So go off to the NBA, John. And I think that's misguided, myopic, short sighted thinking. The way I look at it as I do not want John Beeline leaving for the NBA. You know, I do not want Tom Izzo leaving, you know, or, you know, or losing his fastball, if some have suggested uh, that he has. I don't want Matt Painter. You know, going away. Um, I, I want good coaches coming to the Big Ten and staying in the Big Ten because I think if you're Indiana and you look at the resources the program has, the you know the recruiting ground that the program has, all the built-in advantages. If everything else is equal, then Indiana should be one of the top programs in the conference, if not the top program in the conference. We all know the issues that have prevented us from getting there, but we know what the potential is, and so I don't look at this as, you know, we need the other teams in the conference to come down to our level to be competitive. No, we need to raise our level to get to the top. And I think we all think that we're on the path to getting there. But I think Indiana, when it's rolling at its best, can compete at the top levels of the conference when the other programs are rolling at their best. And Indiana benefits from the Big Ten being better. This isn't, you know, if you're looking at it from Rutgers perspective and you know there's very little chance of you ever competing consistently, you know, for top four finishes in the Big Ten, then yeah, you'd probably love for everybody to come down to your level because that's going to help you out. But for Indiana and the aspirations that Indiana has, we need the conference to be good. Obviously, we have to get good first and get consistently good first. But once we can get to that point, we should feel confident that we can compete with Michigan and John Beeline. And that should be exciting. 
So, and I'm not saying that I've seen other people have this idea. I just kind of wanted to put it out there that, you know, there's, there's definitely two different ways that you can look at it. And for me, I'm hoping John Beeline says no. I'm hoping he stays. I'm hoping he continues to make Michigan a top 25 team, a team that's competing deep into March, because that's the kind of, those are the kind of teams I want Indiana competing with in the Big Ten. You know, losing sometimes, but beating more often and helping the conference's strength of schedule and helping the stature because we know that the Big Ten needs to raise its stature back up. So those are my thoughts on the John Beeline situation. Hopefully he decides to stay in the Big Ten because that makes the Big Ten better and a better Big Ten is better for Indiana. All right. We got a bunch of questions um, from you all coming up. Questions about Clifton Moore. We got a question about Al Durham. Question about who the enforcer is on next year's team. What I eat and drink when I'm watching games. A really interesting question about reasonable expectations for Romeo stat-wise that I dug into a little bit um, and some questions on the schedule. So all of that uh, here coming up. And let's start going into those questions uh, right now. And then uh, for those of you who are watching live, and I am broadcasting this live, by the way, if you're watching uh, on the podcast. So I will, uh, whenever possible, when I do these mailbags, try to broadcast them live. The best place, of course, to watch our live broadcast is our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assembly call. Uh, but I also put it out on Facebook Live and Periscope when the Periscope feed uh, works. So if you're watching live, I'll, uh, I'll try and open those pages up and look for some questions at the very end. But for right now, I want to get to... Uh, the questions that we have right here. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. So let's start with Eric's question. And Eric's question is, seems like people are talking about Forrester more than Clifton Moore. Do you see Moore getting into the rotation, especially if Jerron Davis isn't ready for the start of the season? I can't answer this in any way other than I don't know because we just haven't seen enough from Clifton. So if Deron Davis isn't ready to start the season, which is what my assumption is, I'm just taking a conservative approach with Deron Davis, which is what it sounds like the team is, there are clearly going to be minutes open along the front court. You know, now who takes those minutes? You know, you obviously Clifton Moore is a guy who's been here. He's a candidate. Race Thompson has been here for a season. He's a candidate. Jake Forrester is a candidate. So you've got some new guys and some young guys that are going to be candidates to get some of those minutes. And they're going to be competing with guys like Evan Fitzner coming in as a graduate transfer. Obviously, Jawan Morgan, who is entrenched in the lineup and you build around him. When it comes to Clifton, we're just going to have to wait and see how he develops. He showed some good shot blocking instincts last year, but he also showed a propensity to be out of place and to be maybe a half step slow, you know, both mentally and physically when it came to being in the right position defensively and reacting to what he needed to react to. But he is supposed to bring some things on the offensive end, you know, supposed to be a guy who can shoot, supposed to be a guy who can put the, the ball on the floor a little bit. So we're just going to have to see how he develops. I think right now it's really tough to assess where he slots in, where Race Thompson slots in, where Jake Forrester slots in, because we just haven't seen them at all or enough against top-level competition to really be able to know 
what we can count on from them. So I think all of those guys are going to have an opportunity. I think Clifton is going to have a leg up on Race Thompson and Jake Forrester simply because he's played in actual games before. Uh, but what he does with it from there, we're going to have to see. But the opportunity is certainly going to be there uh, for him to get it, Eric. Uh, this next question, we actually, a couple people submitted a similar question, uh, and it's about Al Durham. So this is uh, CJ Browning and Patrick both asked questions about Al Durham. Um, and this question is representative of both of those. So I think Durham is the forgotten one here. A consistent jumper would put him ahead of Devontae Green. I really like his length and basketball IQ. Chances he starts by Big Ten season. You know, just by virtue of the fact that there aren't many guards, I suppose he's got a chance. As we've talked about, there are only really four ball handlers on this roster. Devontae Green, Al Durham, Robert Finnessy, and Romeo Langford. And two of those guys are freshmen. So, you know, you've only got two guys who have experience. And Al certainly showed at the beginning of last season that he's a guy who can take care of the ball. That waned a little bit as the season went on. Uh, but he's still a guy who tends to not make mistakes uh, occasionally he can step up and knock down a three. He's pretty adept at driving to the basket, you know, and getting contact, and he can even finish through some of that contact. He can, uh, you know, uh, finish with both hands. So he's got some things that you can build around, and he's a willing defender, you know, with good length, uh, as this question mentioned mentions. So could he be a starter? I suppose, but I think the conventional wisdom right now, and it's the wisdom uh, that I think I'm going with, is that Devontae Green is going to be the guy who gets the first shot. And then, you know, in terms of the guy who would step in next, I think we're assuming it would be Rob Finnessy. And I know that flies in the face a little bit of what I just said with the big men because we haven't seen them play and we haven't seen Rob Finnessy play. But again, there's just a dearth of options there. And I think Rob Finnessy comes in you would think, a little bit more college-ready uh, than maybe some of those big men. And big men, it can take a little bit longer to transition to the college game uh, sometimes than it does for guards. So I think there's a chance for Al Durham, and I continue to like him long-term. He's got to shoot better, and Archie talked about how he just really didn't shoot well last season, didn't show how good of a shooter he can be. And so Archie seemed optimistic about him shooting the ball better, but he was Archie was very optimistic about Al shooting last offseason. So I guess you have to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I don't think he's forgotten simply because you can't forget about one of the four guards, one of the four ball handlers that are on the team. Um, so I would not expect him to start by Big Ten play, uh, but it wouldn't shock me simply because he's one of only two guys who have experience. And we're putting a lot of weight on freshmen, and we're putting a lot of weight on a guy in Devontae Green that has been inconsistent. So, again, there will be an opportunity for Al, but I think if IU is at its best next season, Al will be in a reserve role coming off the bench, but certainly in the rotation getting consistent minutes. Okay, so those were the two old questions from last week. Glad that we were able to get those in here uh, and get them answered. Thank you for submitting those. Now we'll go with some new questions that were submitted on Monday. Uh, this first question is from East Coast Hoosier in our Slack channel. His question is, who is the enforcer on next year's team? Who brings the toughness? And this is a good question. And you start looking up and down the roster and there isn't necessarily a guy that jumps out. You know, there's not necessarily a, you know, a Will Sheehy type that jumps out in terms of, you know, this is going to, you know, kind of be a guy that, you know, really gives this team an edge and, and that kind of thing. Um, and not necessarily a, you know, a real physical presence down low that you look at either. 
you know, a, a guy like a Freddie McSwain, who you could, who had some enforcer qualities about him in terms of, you know, uh, his ability to just go grab rebounds and be tough and physical, you know, even if, uh, you know, the, the, the skill <laughs> may, may not have necessarily been there. But when you look at it for next season, really the only guy that I think is an obvious choice is Juwan Morgan. I think he's got to be the enforcer on next year's team. And we saw some of that from him last year. Uh, you know, and so I think I think he has to be the guy who brings the toughness, who leads with the physicality, who shows some of the young guys what it's going to take to play uh, at the Big Ten level. You know, I think the other names that you would probably put in there would be Race Thompson and Jake Forrester, but again, we just haven't seen it. And I haven't seen those guys play enough, you know, in a high school setting, game in, game out, to know if they are, you know, enforcer types. The only guy that we've really seen is Juwan Morgan. You know, I don't get the sense that that's, you know, Evan Fitzner seems like a little bit more of a, a finesse guy. Justin Smith hasn't shown yet that he's ready to be that type of enforcer. Um, so to me, Juwan Morgan has to be the guy who is the enforcer and who brings the toughness. And then hopefully through his leadership, other guys will follow suit and we'll start to see, you know, more guys from the current roster emerge and in future who get recruited that are going to fill that, you know, enforcer toughness role. Rob from our Slack chat asks, what do you eat or drink when you watch games? Well, this has really ebbed and flowed, or, or I guess evolved over the years. You know, I used to uh, very comfortably, you know, knock back a beer or two while watching the game. And then Andy and Ryan and I would get on and, and do the show. That was back in the blog talk radio days when there wasn't really much video. It was all audio. Uh, and the production, <laughs> the, the production elements... Uh, weren't quite as in-depth, so we could literally just hop on. It would be like we were just talking on the phone. You know, now things are a lot more in-depth. We do the halftime report, and, you know, we have a full run sheet because we're trying to organize the show so that it's ready to be on a, you know, because it's broadcast live on a radio station in Indiana, so we have to be very specific with those things. You know, we have the different segments of the show, like the meaningful moment and the stats and different things that I like to try and be prepared for. And I really, as we started to evolve with the show, I wanted to make sure that people who listen to the post-game show always got something really valuable. You know, uh, moments were brought up that they had forgotten about or insights were discussed that added to their experience as IU fans. It wasn't just necessarily three guys bantering about, bantering about it. Um, and for me, I can't just casually watch a game and remember moments um, like I've really got to be detailed about taking notes and noting when things happen and, you know, kind of tracking the trends and doing that stuff as we go, because we don't have any time to prepare once the game ends. I mean, we go live and we've got to have that stuff. And so for me, hosting the show, you know, and having some of the responsibilities of doing that, uh, there's not a whole lot of downtime to be preparing while Andy and Ryan are talking. And plus, I want to be listening to them. So I say all that to get to the question. I don't eat or drink almost anything during the game now except for water simply because I don't have time to. I'm almost always typing, you know, sending out a tweet, you know, running back into, you know, my office during timeouts to make sure everything's set up for the next broadcast, whether it's the halftime report or the post game show. So I'm pretty focused now uh, during games. Uh, just I think the way that the show has evolved has necessitated that. But my hope is that that is a very, very small sacrifice that makes the product 
better, makes the show better uh, for those of you who are watching it. Um, and I'd love to just be able to sit back, you know, uh, kick my feet back and just be able to take everything in and then, you know, regurgitate it just live on the show without doing any preparation. I just can't do that. So I've got to take very detailed notes and do all of that. And that just doesn't leave a whole lot of time for eating and drinking. Uh, Scott, his question from our Slack group is reasonable expectations for Romeo stat wise. So, you know, it, it's really easy to just throw out a number like, oh yeah, you know, he'll probably average 19, 20 points a game, this, that, or the other. I wanted to try and have some sort of methodology for answering this. So the way that I looked at it was this, you know, Romeo is replacing a guy last year who was a four-star recruit, a top 50 recruit, a senior in Robert Johnson, who I know he frustrated a lot of us sometimes with his inconsistencies and his his struggles sometimes to maybe step into that primary scorer's role and all that stuff. You know, we know that. But he's also a guy who hit nine threes against Iowa and scored 27 points at Minnesota and had some really big moments and had some really big games. Um, to the point where I think we may be underrating his absence next year and what we're losing. And so I thought, you know, that's actually a pretty interesting baseline for Romeo Langford. Because if Romeo Langford, as a freshman, albeit a top five freshman, one of the greatest players in the state of Indiana, a guy who would go in the lottery, you know, in the NBA right now, if 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 he could come in and just replace what Robert Johnson did last year as a senior, that would be pretty good. Now it might it wouldn't be you know supernova like to the standards that maybe everybody would want but that would still be pretty good. Robert Johnson was a really good college basketball player and a really good senior college basketball player. So that to me was and this shows how good Romeo is. I looked at that as kind of a baseline. Just and again, I know we haven't seen Romeo play yet, but based on the expectations and based on what, you know, everybody tells me he is capable of. Then you look at maybe a ceiling and sure, you can go back and say George McGinnis is the ceiling for an Indiana freshman, but we're not going to compare anybody to George McGinnis's freshman season. But just look at recent Indiana history, and let's look at Eric Gordon, a guy who's still playing in the NBA, you know, around the same recruiting ranking as Romeo. I think Eric was number two in his class. Romeo was number five. You know, came in and was obviously just dynamite from the beginning. And unfortunately, that season fell apart, and we don't know how good he could have been. So, you know, and he was, I think, a third-team All-American. You know, that seems... Now, could Romeo eclipse that? Probably. But, man, if he can do what Eric Gordon did, that would be a really, really good freshman season because that's one of the best freshman seasons that we've ever seen for Indiana. So the way I look at it, and again, the question was, what are reasonable expectations for Romeo stats-wise? I'm still not sure this is reasonable, but I thought, okay, if you use last year's Robert Johnson as a baseline for a guy who not nearly as talented as Romeo, but had experience and had some good moments. And then you take Eric Gordon's freshman season as the ceiling. Well, what if we just meet in the middle and call that the reasonable expectation? All right, well, if you look at what Robert Johnson did last year, 14 points, four and a half rebounds, an underrated rebounder, 2.7 assists. He shot 37.3% from three. His effective field goal percentage was 51.8%. His usage rate was 22%, and he played 84.5% of the available minutes for Indiana. So that's Robert Johnson. Freshman year, Eric Gordon, 20.9 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, 2.4 assists. He shot 33.7% from three-point range and, of course, was dealing with a wrist injury that hampered his shooting. 
his effective field goal percentage was actually almost right on Robert Johnson's. It was 51.5%. And Eric used a lot more possessions than Robert did, 29.9%. And he played 83.5% of the minutes. Excuse me, I had to, uh, had to take a drink of water. That's one thing about doing these monologue episodes with no, uh, <laughs> no Ryan or Andy. The uh, Got to have some water there for the throat. Um, and interestingly, that freshman year with, for Eric Gordon, DJ White played 82.8% of the minutes. So you had both of those guys playing you know, basically 83% of the minutes. And I think that's similar to what we'll see with Romeo Langford and Jawan Morgan this year. You know, There's going to be a lot of different lineups and a lot of versatile lineups Archie can have. But the two guys that you're almost always going to be working around are going to be Romeo and Juwan, similar to Eric and DJ. But to get to the answer here, if you split those numbers between Robert Johnson and Eric Gordon, you get 17.5 points, 3.8 rebounds, 2.5 assists, shooting about 35% from three, which would be roughly what Romeo did in high school, an effective field goal percentage of 51.7%, which I think you would hope that maybe that would be a little bit higher you know, given that Romeo is going to be better at finishing, you know, better in the mid-range than Robert Johnson was. And and perhaps if you take into account how the injury hampered Eric Gordon as a finisher, you know, maybe his effective field goal percentage was a little lower than it might have otherwise been. So I would actually expect Romeo to have a little bit higher effective field goal percentage, but a usage rate then of about 26 and playing 84% of minutes. So, you know, when you talk to most people, you know, and they seem to think, you know, 17, 18 points, somewhere around there is reasonable for Romeo. So it's hard to place that level of expectation on a freshman, but we've seen freshmen come in and do it before. And Romeo is one of the most highly touted freshmen that Indiana has ever had. So that is what I would, uh, I would say is reasonable for him. 17 and a half points, 3.8 boards, 2.5 assists. And now we'll see if he can do that. All right, the next question is from Joel. Any ideas on when a schedule might be released? He also says, by the way, I just saw Juwan, McBob, Clifton Moore, Al Durham, Justin Smith, and a huge-looking race outside of Cook Hall. I will say again, race is a big dude. Joel, I concur with that. And we were up for the Ohio State game last year. Uh, He passed us while we were standing on the court. And he is definitely a big dude, you know. I think when when you aren't there close to the program and you watch on TV, and you just you know see videos or read recruiting reports of guys, you kind of get a, a sense in your head, I suppose, of how big you think they'll be when you see them. But man, whenever I'm up close with basketball players at the college or NBA level, they're always so much bigger than I expect that they're going to be. Uh, and race was definitely that. Uh, anyway, I don't know exactly when the schedule will be released, but if we just look at historical precedent and went back and looked at uh, last year, you know when that schedule was released, and it was on August 16th, uh, of 2017 when the complete schedule, including Big Ten games, was released. And it was July 12th uh, when Alex over at Inside the Hall had a post, Indiana hitting the home stretch in finalizing non-conference schedule. And at that point, most of the non-conference schedule games and dates had been released. So, you know, you would think that they might be a little bit further along this year, simply because last year, you know, they were it was a new staff taking over and they maybe had some catch-up work to do. So perhaps the non-conference part of the schedule will get released a little bit earlier this year, but it would seem like mid-August would be a safe bet again for when the complete schedule, including all the Big Ten games, would be released. All right, this question from Alex. Should IU play another mid or high major team to improve their NCAA chances? Uh, He said Illinois' schedule is insane. I haven't looked at Illinois' schedule, uh, so I don't know who they're playing. 
you know, we already know that Indiana is playing Marquette, who last year was 53rd in Ken Palm, Louisville, who last year was 38th in Ken Palm, but probably should be better this year with Chris Mack at the helm. Uh, Butler, who was 20th in Ken Palm last year, and then Duke, who everyone expects to be a top five team this year. That's a pretty good you know, mix right there. You've got that the top-notch game against Duke. Uh, you've got some other games that are certainly going to provide opportunities for quality wins for Indiana. I think, look, I am all about playing as many good games as possible. It's more interesting as a fan. It's more interesting as someone who does a post-game show to play those kinds of games. Um, and Archie seems to be the kind of coach that doesn't schedule from a place of defensiveness, but likes to challenge his team and likes to put together a schedule that's going to help put his team in the best possible position come Selection Sunday. Uh, and certainly with the roster that he has this year, he's looking towards Selection Sunday and seeding. So I would love to see Indiana play another mid or high major team if the opportunity presented itself. I think what's more likely is that list of four is probably the top end for the schedule. And now what you'll see is Indiana fill it in, you know, with some teams maybe in the, you know, around the 100 range or the 125 range in Ken Palm, you know, get several of those games. You're going to have one, you know, probably sub 300 game in there at some point, you know, a few teams maybe in the low 200s or maybe high 200s. But what you really want is for that middle of the schedule to not be so soft. You know, get more teams that were regarded like Eastern Michigan was last year. You know, some of those games. So I would like to see uh, those be teams that Indiana gets. But if the opportunity presents itself for a better game, I say take it. it you know, it, you've got to take into account that there are two more Big Ten games this year. So you don't want to just, you know, run your team into the ground and and not give yourself enough opportunities to get wins in the non-conference schedule. But if I'm going to err on one side or the other, I would rather err on the side of, hey, you know what, let's lace them up and just go play, as opposed to, I don't know, let's play a sub-300 team and protect our one-loss record. Um, and I think push come to shove, that's where Archie sides as well. Uh, last question here from Alex. With so many top-rated and IU-connected prospects for 2019, is there any one recruit you think IU must get a commitment from? This is a really interesting question. I think the obvious answer is Trace Jackson Davis because he's in-state, because he's a big man, and you know it, you need quality big men. Because Indiana has been recruiting him for so long, so it would sting to put that much time in and be perceived as the leader and then to lose out on him. And it would, you know, look, you lock up Romeo, Rob Finnessy, Demise Anderson from the state in one class. You know, the next year, if you can go nab, you know, one of the top three players in the state and Trace Jackson Davis, that continues to send that signal that, hey, the top players in the state are going to Indiana again. So he's the obvious answer, and he's the answer that I'm going with. But I think if you wanted to, you could make a case for DJ Carton, the guard out of Iowa. Because he is the one elite ball handling guard from the Midwest region, you know, the, a lot of the guys in the big in in Indiana are big men like Trace Jackson Davis or wings like Keon Brooks, but DJ Carton is a legit ball handler. You know, a guy who can who is probably going to be a five star player. You know, maybe you'll probably be able to step in and play for you right away. And we know Indiana is going to lose Romeo Langford next year, so we're going to need to replenish uh, the the guards. And yes, Indiana's recruiting other guys, you know, Kira Lewis, you know, some other names on there, but those would feel like harder gets simply because they're not from the Midwest and they would have to travel further. So I think Carton is really interesting from that perspective. 
um, in terms of who Indiana must get a commitment from. I'm still going with Trace Jackson Davis, but I think Carton is an interesting name in there. And now we'll have to see. And I guess if you're looking for the one silver lining, if John Beeline does go to the NBA, you know, Michigan is perceived as one of the leaders for DJ Carton. So maybe that would give Indiana a little bit of a better chance to get him. Uh, you know, two names I didn't mention, you may be wondering why, Trenton Watford and Keon Brooks. I wouldn't call either one of them a must-get because if you don't get one, then maybe you can get the other. Now, if you only had one of those guys, you know, then maybe you would you would consider that, but it, it might be hard to take both of them. So if you don't get one, you might be able to get the other. So that, that's, and I think they're both really important recruits. They'd be great Hoosiers, but just because of the makeup of this particular recruiting board, I don't necessarily think that you would label them as important to get as Trace Jackson Davis and DJ Carton, you know, who are unique in terms of how long Indiana has been recruiting them uh, and or, you know, the specific position they play in the scarcity at that position. All right. Well, that uh, that is all the questions that I had. And we're right at about 31 minutes and 25 seconds here. And I want to try and keep these to about a half hour so. Again, I, I appreciate you guys sending in your questions. We will look to continue doing this. I'm not going to guarantee how long we'll do this. It'll obviously be dependent on you know, whether I'm able to keep the schedule going, whether you like it, uh, whether this is well-received. But definitely give me your thoughts. Uh, give me your feedback on this episode. I would appreciate it. And, uh, and as long as we keep doing this, you can rest assured that if you submit questions for Thursday night's Assembly Call Radio, and we aren't able to get to them, we will get to them right off the top in our mailbag episode uh, coming up a few days later. So that way we can make sure to answer as many of your questions as we can. All right. Thank you for listening. And uh, I will talk to you on the podcast. I will talk to you later. For those of you who are watching live, I will hop into the YouTube chats and check the chats and see if there's any questions there. Uh, But if you're listening on the podcast, uh, I will sign off and we will talk to you Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio if you're going to watch live. Otherwise, that podcast will be up late Thursday night, Friday morning. Talk to you then. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.